Are you are you working from home? Yes, I am. Yeah. Are you wearing your pajamas? Hello, my name is Kirsty Styles, and welcome to the weekly economics podcast. Where this week I'm joined by the magic of Skype by the New Economics Foundation's Josh Ryan Collins for yet another George Osborne budget. Chance of the Exchequer. The outlook for the global economy is weak. It makes for a dangerous cocktail of risks. Last year, GDP grew by 2.2%. The headline rate of capital gains tax currently stands at 28%. Today, I'm cutting it to 20%. And I'm cutting... Failed on the budget deficit. Failed on debt. Failed on investment. It's not easy. It's painful to resign. I don't want to resign. Failed to tackle inequality in this country. Because it has become too focused on narrowly getting the deficit down without being able to say where that should fall. We are the party for working people. I commend to the House a budget that puts the next generation first. So hello, Josh, and welcome back to the Weekly Economics Podcast. Hi, Kirsty. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, joining us um, across the digital airwaves from, uh, from your house. Uh, as you're working from home today. Yes, indeed. This week, we're talking about uh, all things budgets, as George Osborne has just opened up his eighth red box in less than six years as Chancellor. So, Josh, dare I ask, uh, how's the UK economy doing? Uh, not brilliantly. Um, I think the, the lesson is could do better, or the verdict is could do better, George. George Osborne's key strategy was to have a budget surplus and a lower debt-to-GDP ratio by 2015. But he's, a, he's failed to achieve both of those absolutely key targets. Um, and on his third target, to have a permanent surplus by the end of the parliament, the Independent Institute for Fiscal Studies only gives him a 50-50 chance. Uh, furthermore, m- further analysis shows there's a £56 billion black hole in Britain's finances. So ultimately, this is a pretty disastrous budget for, for George Osborne. Okie doke. And um, so looking at those uh, three targets that he's given himself, what do you kind of make of those as, um, you know, measures for him to uh, live or die by? Essentially, this fixation with austerity and and reducing the the deficit and having surplus, NEF and I would argue were completely the wrong targets, really. The the target of, of the Treasury and of the budget should be increasing productivity, uh, having sustainable growth. And whether or not there's a, a surplus or a deficit should be secondary to those targets. If we do increase growth, that increases tax returns, uh, that will inevitably reduce the deficit. So that should be the primary focus. Um, the government's fixation on public debt is flawed, uh, has been from the beginning and remains flawed. And there's nothing that has happened in, in the last year to change that century. Okay, so is the Chancellor right, do you think, to blame his favourite mixed metaphor, which is um, a global economic storm plus that cocktail of threats? Well, it's true that uh, the global economy is not in a good situation um, and that obviously undermines uh, foreign demand for British goods and services. But of course, part of the reason the global economy is not in good shape is that many governments have adopted this same strategy of George Osborne, particularly the, the EU, of cutting public expenditure and public investment rather than increasing it, uh, which is exactly what government should do at times when the private sector, uh, that's companies, 
are deleveraging, that is reducing their debts, and banks are also deleveraging, rebuilding their capital reserves. Um, you can't have you know, all three sectors of the economy uh, reducing their spending and expect to have any form of growth. That just, you know, is just basic kind of law of, of economics. So um, this needs to be changed and uh, the government needs to start investing, particularly in public infrastructure, in education, in R&D, the, the areas that will actually increase productivity in the economy. Do you think that appears to be kind of on the cards? No, uh, that's, you know, the government, I mean, Osborne has brought forward some infrastructure spending, you know, which is which is a good thing. But um, overall, infrastructure spending in the UK remains, as a percentage of GDP, remains well behind most of our advanced economy competitors and has been for some time. So we're sort of many years behind, really. I mean, you can you can just see that in the state of our transport infrastructure, for example. Um, so what we, we need to see now is big investment in, in infrastructure, uh, in education, uh, in um, our, our energy infrastructure, for example. And there's nothing in this budget to show that um, that George is, is going in that direction. Um, couldn't we just maybe rebalance the economy by increasing exports, selling more stuff uh, to the rest of the world? Well, that was um, one of um, George's great hopes, I think, when he took over as, as chancellor. Um, but it hasn't happened, uh, unfortunately. Um, and again, I think that's partially to do with uh, a lack of uh, investment in uh, R&D and our, uh, our firms. The private sector, it was hoped that um, the private sector would pick up the slack um, from the reductions in public sector spending. Uh, and start investing, but they they haven't really. Many uh, large firms have huge profits, and they're not spending the money because they don't see the demand in the economy. And part of the reason there isn't demand for goods and services is because people uh, don't have enough money to buy goods and services um, because wages have been stagnating. And again, that comes back to this broader economic model um, where we essentially um, hope that there'll be some trickle-down effect from, for example, the tax cuts that um, he's introduced in this budget. Um, what's needed is big government spending to boost demand, and that will encourage businesses to start investing themselves. Okay, so you uh, mentioned there um, public public spending or spending spending by the public, I should say. Um, the Chancellor often says that those with the broadest shoulders are bearing uh, the greatest burden uh, of austerity, presumably rugby players, giants, that kind of thing. Um, is that true? No, I mean, the distributional analysis tells us what share of the overall tax and spending goes to the rich and the poor in terms of proportion. But it doesn't tell us, this is the Treasury's uh, analysis, but it doesn't tell us the actual cash impacts on different uh, segments of the population. Um, so, you know, the analysis of VAT the Treasury's done shows that the highest earners contribute more in total to VAT than the lowest earners which is what you would expect. They do spend more. But we know that the poor pay a far greater proportion of their income in VAT because their income is so much lower. And VAT is a highly regressive tax. Um, a budget that had any serious interest in reducing inequality would have put this sort of analysis uh, front and centre. Um, but in fact, the Chancellor's repeatedly resisted calls to reintroduce a proper distributional analysis. And if he had done, that would have revealed that the budget since 2010 have been extremely regressive. 
ultimately, um, the biggest single revenue raiser in this budget will actually be cuts to personal independence payments for disabled people that will affect 600,000 people with um, disabilities, some of them very severe. And this will raise 4.4 billion over the next five years. Um, so ultimately, this is, again, a highly regressive budget that actually increases inequality. Okay, so all this doesn't sound like it bodes too well for the future. Uh, what about the, the next generation, people like me, who were actually singled out uh, by George Osborne as the key beneficiaries of this uh, budget? Yes, I think the uh, the hypocrisy here was, was uh, astonishing, really. Um, you know, um, higher inequalities will reduce aggregate demand further. That's, that's a point I've, I've sort of been trying to make here. I mean, poorer people will spend more out of every additional pound you give them in the budget. So if you increase um, spending uh, at um, lower socioeconomic groups, that's going to create more demand in the economy. Uh, George Osborne, again, has done the opposite. The tax cuts he's made in particular will actually help wealthier people who spend less out of every additional pound you give them on the real economy. Um, and instead, he's just relying on younger people um, and you know, people who are trying to get on the housing ladder to actually get the money via bank loans, via increasing debt. Um, and this is a dangerous strategy because debt can only get so high before it becomes unstable and it starts eating into your ability to spend. So what's interesting is that in its latest forecast, the Office of Budget Responsibility suggests that by 2020, household debt to income will have reached 160%, which is the same as it was during the crisis, during the financial crisis. So we might expect another financial crisis if, if debt does return to those levels. So it's, it's a completely unbalanced uh, recovery, if, if you still want to call it a, re a recovery, dependent on increasing debt amongst the poorest of the population. Okay, so what do you think uh, the Chancellor perhaps could have done instead to to put the next generation first? Well, we think there's a number of alternatives. Uh, I would suggest uh, there needs to be a big uh, expansion in investment for um, affordable homes, not just homes provided by private construction firms, you know, two-bed flats for reasonably well-off people, but genuinely affordable homes an expansion in uh, public sector house building. Now, that could be funded, I think, by increased government borrowing capital investment. If the Chancellor uh, thought he was able to do that, if he could change his own rules, he would, he would be doing that. Um, but you could also fund big capital investment such as this or investment in renewable energy infrastructure, for example, via quantitative easing, via buying different sorts of assets, so maybe assets in a green investment bank or a, a national investment bank that could then be used to spend on real economy activity. Currently, quantitative easing just involves inflating existing asset prices. It's just going into financial markets. And again, it's not trickling down to the real economy. Um, so action to address the housing crisis, the affordability crisis in that way would have would really have helped. And the other great disappointment, I think, when you look at the, the next generation, as George Osborne talks about it, is um, although, you know, you could congratulate him on his sugar, sugar tax, which obviously will hopefully prevent uh, younger people uh, becoming obese. 
Um, he, at the same time, massively reduced taxes on the oil industry and the petroleum industry. And of course, our grandchildren or, or their children um, will really be in the firing line if we continue our dependency on fossil fuel intensive energy production. So huge bit of hypocrisy there, I think, from, from George. Um, OK, he may be introducing a sugar tax, but at the same time, he's essentially expanding the subsidy for a completely unsustainable uh, energy infrastructure. OK, well, um, Josh, thank you very much uh, for joining us via Skype uh, from home today. I think great disappointment was, was one of the kind of defining lines of your analysis there. Yeah. Um, Could do better. Heck, <laughs> I've got my headphones on. I feel like a proper radio DJ. Thank you very much for joining us, Josh. Thanks, Kirsty. Got a question you'd like me to put to an economics expert? Tweet it to us at Weekly EconPod. The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org.